Today on Let Me Be Frank, His Excellency is joined by Dr. Patrick Vodonovan, the director for the Institute for Catholic Formation here in the Diocese of Bridgeport, and they have so much stuff going on and so many resources and fun things for families to do. You just have to look them up, and, uh, and he's going to tell you about several of those things today on Let Me Be Frank. You can keep your radio right here at 1350 AM and 103.9 FM or keep us on your phone with the Veritas app, which you know is available at the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or VeritasCatholic.com. If you're listening to us on podcast, help us out by going to your podcast platform and give us a five-star rating. And Let Me Be Frank is brought to you by a grant from Foundations in Faith. Foundations in Faith embraces innovative approaches to funding pastoral care programs in the Diocese of Bridgeport. Resources focus on energizing lifelong faith formation and discipleship and fostering a commitment to justice and accompaniment with our most vulnerable. From seminarians to retired priests, from baptism to last rites, from suburbs to inner cities, the reach is broad and the impact is meaningful. For more information, visit them on the web at foundationsinfaith.org. Okay, here we go. This is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. I'm Steve Lee, and it is my great pleasure, as always, to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. Steve, good morning, my friend, as we hurdle our way through January. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where has the year gone? <laughs> yeah, my God, Christmas is like a distant memory at this point. It's amazing, even though my Christmas decorations are still up. Yeah. But yeah. remember, Christmas just ended, right, with the baptism of the Lord, and so I'm only two days late. It's not so <laughs> So, uh... I know we have a we have a great guest on uh, on a great topic for today, but um, I, I also you mentioned that you wanted to uh, to to talk about something before we get to Patrick. Yes, of course, there were a number of people who have asked questions about the declaration from the Dicastery for Doctrine of the Faith on fiducia supplicans and the idea of offering a pastoral blessing for couples that are in irregular situations. And the interesting thing is, I've, um, I've had the opportunity to meet with the clergy of our, particularly the priests of our diocese, uh, to talk about this. And it was an excellent meeting. About 90 priests came to the meeting, and it was voluntary. And basically, the takeaway is this, that... Um, Prescinding from the theological questions involved about the nature of a pastoral blessing versus liturgical blessing, which itself is a topic that has to be developed more as time goes on. Um, we have basically come to the conclusion as a presbyterate is that um, this is a pastoral option provided that it is done in such a way that the truth of the faith is made clear and that people are not confused by what happens. Right. Because in effect, if a situation, all right, um, a relationship, whatever it may be, that is human, that is not following the will of God, it itself cannot be blessed. Right. But individuals can always be blessed, particularly when they seek mercy or they speak or, or they looking for strength or conversion of mind and heart. Right. So that's the spirit, the lens through which you have to, I think anybody who reads this declaration has to understand it, that really it is the asking of God's mercy by individuals who cannot, for whatever reason, at any given moment in their life, live the fullness of the truth. 
right? That we're all called to live. All of us are called to live. So we came up with some specific guidelines, right? As a clergy to be able to do this well, right? And in effect, uh, not to go into many of the details, but it's all meant for pastoral accompaniment. So if a couple comes, and the vast majority of time, Steve, the couples who will come to us are perhaps a woman or a man who is in a second marriage, right? Those are going to be the, in my experience, pastoral experience, those are individuals who have come really seeking guidance and accompaniment, asking a blessing on themselves, right? Not necessarily on the union that they've the second union, because they know it is irregular, but they themselves seeking God's help, right? That is somewhat common in pastoral life, way before there was this declaration. You know, in the Hispanic community, there are many couples, for example, who are civilly married for, let's say, either never having been married before or having been married before, who have come up for blessings because they recognize they need God's mercy to be able to come to the fullness of the truth, which God wants with them to be sacramentally married within the church. So basically everything we have come up with, right, is designed for pastoral accompaniment. That the blessing that is given on the individuals, not the union, not the but the individuals become the beginning of an accompaniment. That we invite them to come and speak with us because to the extent that the church is the sacrament of healing, right, besides being the agent of forgiveness in Christ's name, this is what we want to do. So I think a lot of individuals um, have read it and have been alarmed, but I think they should not necessarily be alarmed because I'm not exactly sure that what's being presented there is anything other than giving us a pastoral option to bless individuals who are seeking God's help and mercy to be able to live what in the heart of hearts they would like to live in its fullness. Right? I think part of the difficulty too is because couples in irregular situations also included couples who are of the same sex. Okay, and that's a different reality insofar as the document clearly states the church has not and will not change its teachings on the sanctity of marriage, that marriage is um, an exclusive stable and indissoluble union between a man and a woman that is naturally open to procreation. That is the teaching of the church, and that is not changing. Right? So therefore, the blessings cannot mimic a blessing. It can't be done in a liturgical setting. It's not done in public. It's not the it's it's so that's a different reality. Right? But nonetheless, those who are in those same sex relationships, the church wants to walk with them, accompany them. Right in 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 their struggles, to help them to lead right a life, please God that would be one of profound perhaps friendship that's chaste, right. So it's all about accompaniment in the end, in my mind, and I think we have a general consensus among the priests. There seems seem to be great unanimity in the specific guidelines, so that we would do it in such a way that would not cause confusion, not cause scandal, not lead people away from the truth of the faith, but also recognize the reality of the situations, wanting to love them, wanting to walk with them, right, as individuals, right, in these sort of situations. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And I don't want to take too much time from from Patrick's 
uh, conversation with you, but I can I add just one question? Yes, of course. W was there any discussion about um, about potential um, people approaching pastors or priests with not pure intentions? Oh yeah, maybe almost as a setup or uh, or even the possibility of more confusion. Well, like it's, 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 that could be done in many different venues. Yes, in the church, of course. Right? Yep. Okay. Um, particularly when people seek to be a sponsor for the strangest of reasons hmm. on their terms, right? But in this case, um, the instruction, which is shared only among the clergy, right? Because we, it, and it's only really among priests. Only priests can can give those blessings, not deacons, because mm -hmm. deacons give blessings in liturgical context, and this is forbidden to be done in liturgical context. So right. it only applies to priests. Um, one of the norms quickly, clearly says that it's not to be done in a church in a, or a chapel precisely because it's an invitation to a conversation to discern mm. what it is the people, the couple, the, the people involved are asking for. What are they really, what are they seeking and asking for, to your point? because we want to accompany them, but we need to know what it is that we're being asked. So it could very well be, um, and I'm presuming anybody who does come is coming with goodwill, but, but it's not just to seek what the sincerity is of the request, because we oftentimes just take them at face value, but what's the deeper desire of the heart? So we can explain what we can do to be of help, because we can't leave people in irregular situations without trying to help them as best we can. Okay. Right. Okay. Yep. Okay. So without further de delay and uh, thank you for your being patient, Patrick, I want to introduce uh, today's guest. It's uh, we have on with us, Patrick Donovan. Patrick is a teacher, retreat leader, workshop presenter. Uh, he's been a, a diocesan director of youth and young adult ministry. And now his current role is director of Formation Reimagined, which is a great initiative uh, of the church here in the Diocese of Bridgeport. Patrick has authored or co-authored four books and uh, more than 50 articles on using movies in ministry. Um, and, he's, and he's also an adjunct professor at Sacred Heart University. And so uh, I'm delighted to, uh, to invite you, or not to, delighted to welcome you to the show. And I uh, can't wait to hear this conversation. Thank you, Steve. Hello, Bishop. Patrick, you and I are together all the time. So this is great. <laughs> this gives everybody in the universe an opportunity to kind of eavesdrop on our, our daily conversations of so many different things. I'm delighted that you're part of the podcast. Thank you. Because I, I, I reckon you, as a, as among the the key architects of the one, our little inner group that is trying to to reimagine not just formation, reimagine the life of the church is really what it comes down to, right? And we've talked about that. And what I'm especially grateful for is all your work in the formation of the leadership of our schools and parishes, because that is an essential piece of not only the life of the church, but reimagining the renewal of the church, right? Because we need people on the ground in different places in our parishes and schools who are going to, to be the agents to help that. Anyway, having said all that, 
part of the reason I'm delighted that you're here is because I want you to talk about the importance of family life and in the work of the one, in the life of the church. And you have some very special plans in our diocese to accompany uh, new parents and young couples, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to do that after you do the following. Uh-oh. You have to, a- you have to answer the required question. Okay. Which all the guests get. And that is tell us about, to the extent that you're comfortable, your faith journey. How did you get to the chair that I could see you in through this zoom video? Uh, tell us your life faith journey. How did you get to where you are now? That's a great question. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. My my introduction, like so many of us, to ministry came from my parents. Uh, my father introduced me to Our Lady when we prayed the rosary every day to going to school. Uh, we went to high school in the inner city of Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, my dad had to drive us. His office was nearby. And I remember my sister would often have homework to do. And so she'd sit in the back seat doing homework. Or pre- I told her she was pretending to do homework all the time. And I got to uh, pray the rosary with my brother and, and, uh, and my father. My parents were really the, the distributors of family faith formation in the diocese of what was then Nashville, now Knoxville. They were the head of the family life committee. They were the sponsors for marriage prep. They were... And they dragged us, you know, I'm one of 11, so I'm towards the other end of the, the bottom end of the spectrum. So I never had a babysitter. I just, you know, got dragged to church. And we had Halloween parties and we had Christmas parties. And we, my parents introduced the dove tree uh, to the cathedral parish where we had 500 doves on the trees in the back where every dove represented someone in need. And, you know, as a kid, I can remember we would be the ones cutting out the doves and we would be the ones riding up. Of course, Bishop, you'll appreciate I never got to write on anything because no one could read it. Um, yeah, that's, you know, it's one of your great liabilities, your hieroglyphics that kind of like you pass off as English. That's a whole other story. <laughs> so my my faith journey started with my parents, and um, it was a natural progression for me. I, I, I was uh, in high school and got invited into youth ministry uh, by a great Irishman named Dan Murphy, and eventually I replaced him at the parish. And... And, and had the great fortune of working with a new bishop as the Diocese of Knoxville was formed. And, you know, the rest is, the rest is history. So I am here, mm-hmm. and, and actually, to be fair, in case anyone wants to complain, um, it's your fault that I'm here, because we were on a board together, and uh, I made some snide comment, and I never forget, you, you leaned over and said, you know, there is such a thing as the custody of the tongue, which I still haven't learned, by the way. Um, and, uh, and, and then you off, you said, if you ever need a job, call me. And about six months later, I called you and here we are eight years later, having yep. a great time. I know. I know. We, actually, I mean, if we look back on the eight years, just the creation of lead, the creation mm-hmm. of the Institute for Catholic formation, these have all been tremendous milestones, right? To you know, be and able the little to allow people that, to customize. Yeah. Their formation. Yes. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The little things like like Catholic chat, um, which is the interaction of artificial intelligence and the teachings of the Catholic Church. We've had 350,000 
unique questions on catholic.chat where people have gone in and asked questions about um, their faith. Uh, we have more than 25,000 people who get your daily text with the prayer. Um, and and I always get I always get texts because people know I'm involved in it. Um, if the prayer of the day on the face of prayer is something like, you know, let us pray for those who annoy us, I, I'll always get texts from friends and families like, was that about me? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so the outreach, we have come light years in the outreach. But now we're talking about a true renewal into the very fiber of the church. Yes. Every community, every parish, we call this the one, right? So talk to me about family life and what, how important it is in the renewal that we look for. Um, why is that such a big deal, family life? The answer to that question, Bishop, I think, involves a little bit of looking back. For the past 30 to 40, maybe even longer years, parents have done exactly what we asked them to do. In a post-Vatican II church, the church said, we're going to establish CCD programs, we're going to establish religious ed programs um, for those who don't uh, or can't go to Catholic schools. And, And we said either openly or subconsciously, let us educate your your children. And, and we did that, except we now have generations of parents who stopped their formal education at confirmation or sixth grade, eighth grade, whatever, and they lack the language to articulate the faith to their own children. You know, back in the 90s when we had the, the Pew study uh, announced the, the rise of the nuns, they call it, N-O-N-E-S, um, where people were more likely to choose none of the above uh, than a, than a traditional um, faith practice, those parents are now having children, and those children are now in our religious ed programs and in our Catholic schools. And when mom and dad, perhaps through no fault of their own, lack the language to articulate the faith, what do we expect anything different for the young people? So part of this opportunity that we're talking about today with this First Witnesses Project is to stem the tide, certainly of disaffiliation, but also to help parents articulate the faith to their young people. If if mom and dad are the first witnesses of the faith, which is right out of the rite of baptism, and as you know, um, the rite of baptism changed but so many of the things that happened in, in 2020, 2021, 2022 kind of got lost. So in January 2020, the rite of baptism was updated to say to change from mom and dad are the first teachers of the ways of faith to mom and dad are the first witnesses in the ways of faith. But two months later, the world fell apart and nobody talked about the rite of baptism. We just switched books. And I'm finding actually that some parishes haven't even switched books. And then you've got um, uh, the Directory of Catechesis that came out in June of 2020. And as much as we try to encourage folks to read it and to participate in webinars, we're still catching up. And, and, and the bishop's going to host a day in March where we're gathering catechetical leaders to, to talk about the directory. The church moves slowly. It, it gets worse when we're stuck in the middle of a pandemic and we've got to now catch up, you know, to make sure that there's, there's not learning loss with teen, with young people, but not learning loss with adults as well. Right. 
Now, as I've said before in the podcast, the, the directory on catechesis is the origin of the one. This to create what they call charismatic, what the Holy Father calls charismatic catechesis, we call evangelizing catechesis, is um, is is the heart of what we're trying to do. And and in in some way, shape, or form, family life is where it all begins, right, Patrick? I mean, in the end, a child discovers that he or she is lovable and loved mm -hmm. in their his or her family. That's where it starts. Is that fair? Yes. Yes. And I, I think there's a couple of other things that, that we can state with certainty that we know. We know that the rate of disaffiliation is high in the Catholic Church and in, and in fact the Christian tradition and begins around the age of 13, but some argue as early as age 7. We also know that from birth to three years, children experience the greatest acquisition of ritual and language. So let's take those two things first. If we know that disaffiliation happens around the age of seven, the age of 13, somewhere between there, which always makes me laugh as a parent because at seven years old, you don't get to decide if you go to church, you get to decide when you're going to empty the dishwasher and take out the trash. You can do that on your time, but those are your chores. You're going to do it. So, but again, if you have parents who don't have a relationship with a parish or relationship with God or understand and can articulate their faith, then you know, obviously it's tough to pass that on. But then the second fact that from birth to three years, children experience the greatest acquisition of ritual and language. If you look at the research, one of the things that we can point to in this country in terms of the lack of religious language in children is when kindergarten became mandated. Because when kindergarten became mandated, we started with preschool programs. Pre-K started to you know, arise in our uh, culture. And when that happened, well, school's going to teach the shapes. School's going to teach the language. School's going to teach the vocabulary. School's going to teach phonics. School's going to teach these things. Mom and dad, in a lot of cases, are working. They're not doing those things. And religion falls away. So if we know that young people from, from birth to three years experience the greatest acquisition of ritual and language. How do we use that to our advantage when we're passing on the faith? Right. You know, it's fascinating. I've shared many a story when I was growing up, and you've heard them even in our private conversations, and how when we speak of beauty, when we speak of ritual, um, impressions, intuition, creation of religious imagination, narrative, story, all of that growing up when I was a little boy, that formed me in my faith much more than a cognitive uh, appropriation of the faith, which at three years old, I mean, is rudimentary at best. To your point, I think we have failed to help people to understand the faith and learn the faith in an age-appropriate way for the whole life, right? So, what you can appropriate in confirmation, you're going to keep deepening, and we haven't given those opportunities, which the one will correct. But I, I think you and I have had this conversation before, Patrick, so let me just share it out here on the podcast, and then you can react. And Steve, also you can react, because you're, you're a parent, father, of all the rest. Um, when, we, when we say, given what you described as the landscape of our parents, right? many of our parents, who are good, well-meaning, love their children, doing their best, lots of pressure, modern world, whole thing. They don't have the language. They've never really had a lot of the intellectual formation. 
and a lot of them are not practicing the faith, right? So what do you ask them? They come, they drop off their young people to religious education, and you say, okay, your role in this is, and I've said all along, right? So there are, there are just a few asks, all towards witness. Number one is pray with your young people. And if you don't know how to pray, we'll help you to pray. Start with the formal prayers. Number two, witness to them a virtuous life. Right? To be able to, to, to overcome what in later life is the number one reason why young people leave the church is they see a dissonance between what, young, what people say as Christians and how they live as Christians. When they don't see integrity, they say, you people, the heck with you. You're like everybody else. All the politicians, government people, economic leaders, everybody else, you're all the same. You all say one thing and do another, right? And then the third is to come to Mass. Because quite frankly, if you're not going to Mass, it's for their own benefit to come, besides their children, for them. Even if you sit there and at the beginning say, I have no idea what's going on, but we could help you to figure out what's going on. Those are my three asks. So Patrick, react to those. If you don't mind, would I would you agree. Add, would you add? I would to agree. It? I would. I would. I would. I would agree completely, Bishop. I. I would add. I would add one thing that I think is incredibly easy that we that we overlook, and that's and that's the everyday moments. And you talk about virtual living, virtuous living, and you talk about um, you know witnessing the faith and stuff. But I think what we what we've overlooked is. The natural comings and goings. So, for instance, if we think about just for a second, if we had parents who understood that the coming, the going, the bedtime, the bath time, the car time, and the meal time were opportunities for holy moments, were opportunities for prayer, were opportunities for storytelling, were opportunities for those things already happen in a family. So, it's the, it's, I would add that almost as a 2.5. The everyday moments of family life, and and and, and again, the coming, we're, we're home. We say a prayer, thank you for our safe arrival. The going, we pull out of the driveway and we say a Hail Mary. Very simple, but we say a Hail Mary as we're heading, not just because my Anybody wife is Anybody with you has to because- say a Hail Mary, I think, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Bedtime. We tell our, we at, at baptism, you know, the parents are, and the godparents are asked to bless their child with the sign of the cross on the forehead. You know, we still do that in the Donovan household. They're 15, 16, 17, 18. But we still do that. It's still part of the ritual. And if I forget, they often take the opportunity to do that. Um, okay. the bath time. Now, my kids shower on their own, thanks be to God. But when your kids are little... That's a great opportunity to tell them the stories. And, and, one of, and when I say tell them the stories, it's not just tell them a story, but tell them your own faith story. Like you asked me, my kids love when I tell stories. Of, and it's hilarious because nine times out of 10, I'm telling a story and at the end, the guy's dead because you know they're teachers or professors or people. And the older I get, the more that happens. Um, and so now they guess the ending of the story. But when they were little, we would tell them about the day they were baptized or the day they were born, or the day they came home from the hospital, or a memory from our childhood that we, you know, correlated to their own. Um, right. And then the other right. time is car time and meal time. Um, right. You know, right. every study will tell you that kids are healthier, happier, less anxious, 
if they eat together with their families at least three times a week. And I know that that's hard. I know that that's difficult when you've got piano lessons and cello lessons and therapy appointments and everything else going on in the world. But find three times a week where you can eat together as a family. And sometimes the hardest thing is just figuring out what am I going to eat? Right. You know, we have a break to go to, but may I just say one thing? You've crystallized something in my mind too. What you described, I had the great fortune of being born into a household, a family, where its culture had all of that built in. Mm. And it was passed on to my parents without them having to think about it. Right. Because that's how they were raised. Now we have to rebuild it intentionally, which is exactly right. Because unfortunately, they don't have the benefit of having it passed on the same way. But my parents didn't think of it. They just did it because that's what you did. (laughs) Right. So they had a bigger advantage in that age than our parents now. Now they have to intentionally build it. Let's let's sneak a quick break in here. Um, This is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. His Excellency is speaking with Patrick Donovan, who heads up Formation Reimagined. The conversation is about family life, faith formation, and the one. We'll be right back. If you're concerned about your end-of-life plans, searching for a Catholic cemetery, or have loved ones who are buried in one of the 14 Catholic cemeteries throughout Fairfield County, now might be a good time to begin planning for yourself or for other family members. Call one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 to leave a message or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Many people don't realize that they can be buried with their deceased loved ones, even if all of the family's in-ground plots have been taken. The Diocese of Bridgeport Catholic Cemeteries provides in-ground burials, as well as columbarium and mausoleum options. This makes it possible to unite your family together in the same cemetery, and it's an opportunity to build a bridge for your family back to the church. Talking about this issue is not easy, but pre-need planning makes your wishes clear, reduces cost, and helps your family avoid difficult decisions at a time of grief and loss. You can start your planning now by contacting one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. We can guide you through the options, regulations, and considerations to help you make the best decisions for your family. The number is 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Okay, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Patrick Donovan, head of Formation Reimagined, is here with Bishop Caggiano. Mm -hmm. You know what, Steve, I was thinking too, you know, in some quarters, not many, in some quarters, there's a lot of criticism leveled against young parents precisely because they're not practicing the faith as much and they're not passing on the traditions of the church and they're not doing some of what I said. Uh, But on the other hand, I have great empathy for many young parents precisely because they were not given the tools when they were young. They've not been accompanied in faith in an effective way in their teenage and young adult years. And quite frankly, they didn't have, they have to intentionally build what Patrick was describing, when my parents did not. My parents just mimicked what was done for them. They did it beautifully, my mother in particular. 
but it wasn't like a like what you described, Patrick, about a plan you have to think about. It it just happened. So in sense, they they have a lot of the of the 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 challenges before them to be, you know, faithful, effective Catholic parents. There are a lot of challenges. So that's why in my mind, family life has to be an essential piece because we have to help them to mitigate those challenges, right? Because there are very few parents who don't want to love their children with all their hearts. This, I, I've not yet met one. Maybe I haven't, I didn't know, but, but, but come on, it's not going to... So we have to help them because if they will love their children, they have to also introduce them to the spiritual life, which is ultimately the only life that lasts in the end that brings everything else along with it. So this is essential. So now, Patrick, may I ask... You were able to secure a grant from the Lilly Foundation to do something very specific. So would you mind just sharing what that is? Sure. Bishop, I just want to jump in before I run to the Lilly endowment. I have a friend who's in uh, religious education, and she asked a group of parents, how many of you want your children to go to heaven? And every parent raised their hand, to your point. How many of you believe it's your job to get your children to heaven? Not a hand went up because the understanding was that you raise the children to a point that they do it themselves. They get them. Yeah. Or we do it for them. Or we, or we do it for them. So, so it's amazing. And people shake their head. I know, but it's, it's, and this was five, six years ago before, before COVID. So Bishop, we were able to, um, with the Lilly endowment, uh, giving us a $1.2 million grant the purpose of the program, the grant that they're funding, is called the First Witnesses Project. And the purpose of First Witnesses is that over the course of five years, we give the parishes the tools they need to accompany families from baptism to the moment of enrollment in faith formation. And to be fair, we really got to step back a little bit and even go to marriage prep. Um, because that's really where where some of this conversation belongs. So the idea is, and there's a whole series of things that are going to happen, um, but the idea is that we want to significantly change the life mission and ministry of the parish by accompanying, by helping them accompany families from baptism to um, enrollment in faith formation, let's say that first five years. Now, it doesn't mean that if you've got three-year-old, we're going to leave you out. We're not, you know, obviously we're going to do everything we can to accompany those first five years. So what, how, how do we do that? There's two stages. The first stage launches this year. Um, we just celebrated the baptism of the Lord. We know that young people, um, the parent, the first witnesses are mom and dad. So the first piece of this, uh, project is digital. We'll launch the First Witnesses website later this month. It includes two videos from the bishop. What is a witness? uh, And how do you be a witness as a parent? What are some recommendations uh, that the bishop's already mentioned? Um, So you've got the videos, and then you've also got this journey, if you will. What do your young people, what should they know developmentally? So we've tied the developmental... um, milestones, ages, you know, six months, one year, et cetera, et cetera, with what you can do with your children in terms of learning the sign of the cross, learning the parent, learning the prayers, 
uh, sacraments, all of these kind of things. But then we've also put that all the way through 12th grade. What what would should your child know in all of the milestones and all of the breakdowns in terms of ages? And so that's going to all be online. The other thing that will launch uh, in the next few um, weeks is a podcast called The Squeaky Kneeler, which and I love that title because, you know, it's just so appropriate. Um, but The Squeaky Kneeler is a podcast by parents for parents. So we've got about 20 episodes recorded already, uh, Steve, where we've got folks from all over the country who are parents and experts in their field giving tips on raising faith-filled children. And we'll continue to uh, record more more um, uh, of those. There'll be a newsletter that uh, goes out every week via text, via email called Holiness at Home. Just very simple tips tied into the gospel of things that you can do at home. Okay, it's the baptism of the Lord. Tell your children the story of their baptism. Because what the research shows us again and again is that storytelling is one of five key components in raising faith-filled children. So you've got the podcast, you've got the website, you've got um, these toolkits that eventually we'll be giving to parishes to give to their families uh, so that as they accompany, because we don't want this to be a top-down, we don't want the diocese saying, oh, here's what you do as a parent. We want the parishes to accompany because that's right. your sacramental home. That's right. where you. That's where your faith lives, really. Right. Um, and so we want. We're going to choose ten parishes this summer, and we're going to start in the fall, accompanying those parishes so that they can accompany those. But imagine now you're a you're a newlywed couple, and your parish invites you to a dinner once a year. And some of our parishes already do this, but they give you a crucifix, and they give you a prayer, and they give you a blessing for your home, and they give you some tools that you need to begin your life together as a Catholic couple. Okay, now take that one step further. You've brought a life into the world. You, 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 I remember when we get home from the hospital, first I drove very, very slowly, you know, on that first journey. And then you get home and you're like, okay, now what? Now we can't accompany through everything, but what does a Catholic home look like to a, growing, to a, to a child that's growing up? What does a child look around for whether it's a rosary that they can play with or crucifix on the wall or what Robert Weff now says in his book, Growing Up Religious, is he calls it the silent homilies that the bishop grew up with, that I grew up with, the candle in front of St. Anthony, the statue of Our Lady. What does a Catholic home look like so that we can ritualize the faith for these young children? So we're going to be helping parents do that through this, this pilot program, right? right? Um, so there's a lot to it, but the general sense is, um, how do we accompany families? Because my dream is, imagine you are a parish catechetical leader or you're a pastor and you five years from now are enrolling children in formal faith formation and they all arrive knowing their prayers. They all arrive knowing the sacraments. They all arrive knowing... Because we all hear the stories of a, a third grader or a fourth grader who, who you know, never conquered the Hail Mary. Well, they're not going to be able to, to fully participate. So, so if they arrive knowing just the basics, the conversation in first grade, second grade, third grade, it's very different than if we're constantly playing catch up. Right. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Yeah, no, no, without a doubt. It's... Um... It, it just strikes me, though, 
that for parents to do this, part of what they have to also rediscover is how they nurture their own relationship as spouses. Yes. Right? Right? Because if there was a fault in the old way of doing, like I look back at my parents, right? In that culture, it was almost all, not almost, maybe an exaggeration, but a lot of their effort was in their children, right? And almost at times to the detriment of their own relationship, right? As husband and wife. Right. And I think part of accompanying parents is, uh, as parents, is to also accompany them as husbands and wives so that 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 love grows because that also mirrors the love of God to children. That's one of the silent homilies, right? Right. That's extraordinarily powerful. Yes. And one of the things that we've, we've discovered in our research as we were preparing the grant request and, and even beyond is obviously the first year of life is all about the balance of work and home and child and screaming and, the child screaming, not the parents. Um, and you know, managing diapers and formula and everything else. Although it could be, it could be, it could be either. I don't know. Um, and really, the first year is all about educating mom and dad. Um, especially if you've got mom and dads who, and 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 Bishop, to your point earlier, I believe that the almost every parent wants the best for their child. Obviously, they want their child to have a relationship with God. They want their their child to be. Um, a faithful adult, but they're not sure how to get there. And they're not sure what they're, what they're lacking themselves. So what I hear from more and more parents as we do baptism preparation or, or, or marriage preparation is, I have no idea what kind of a parent I'm going to be because I don't know anything about our faith. So in that first year, we have to do everything we can to help them study and learn and offer courses and, and, and small group sessions at the parish with Bible study. And who cares if all the babies come to Bible study? That's great. Mom and dad can still participate. Um, but but how do we accompany them in the first year so that they also grow together in their marriage? We've got a really great uh, tool at our disposal through the generosity of, of Jim Steffen, who's from St. Joseph in Brookfield, um, who with his wife wrote a book called uh, True Love That Lasts. And his premise is how one question a day can, can deepen your married, your marital love more and more and more. So, and Jim's in his 90s. And Jim worked with us to create a 37-part video series that's available uh, on, um, on our website. And you can subscribe to it. And once a week, you get an email. So, so again, advertising those kind of tools so that moms and dads can also take care of themselves. Um, right. And Jim's done it right. very simply because right. he's, he's an expert right. trainer and, and, and yep. you know, he's yep. done a great job with that. Yep. But that's another great resource that we can make available to moms mm -hmm. and dads so they mm -hmm. don't forget about themselves. Mm -hmm. See, if I may too, why, you know, the church says that the family is the domestic church. Mm -hmm. So the church is built on the domestic church. And, uh, and we all know that, we understand that, we believe that. So in some ways, a, a dissertation yet to be written. So what are the characteristics of the ecclesial church that have to be mimicked in the domestic church? And case in point, if a Christian parent wants to truly be able 
to give their children an opportunity to experience those silent homilies, then the family has to rediscover silence as we do in church. In our ecclesial church, we have to rediscover the power of silence. The, the frenetic pace that most people are living with the best of intentions prevents children, particularly young children, from focusing their attention on all the things you just talked about, right? Besides our own ability to pray as adults. And that is something that is runs a, a, against the tide of modern life, right? Which always the biggest, the smartest, the, the fastest, the, the more bells, more whistles, more. And how do we do that? Perhaps is one of the things we have to talk about in the one is how do you slow it down for a bit? How do you reintroduce silence? I mean, silence in my house growing up, mother of God, if it ever happened, it was like the end. Somebody was about to die. The lightning bolt was coming. That's the only one we had said, right? Then you knew it was like Moses on the mountain. God was about to speak. <laughs> but when I look back, I wish we had the more, right? Because, it, it, again, not to, not to beat this, but the most vivid images I have of my mother in her elder years, particularly when she was dying, were the moments of silence. Mm. Not a conversation, right? It's interesting how it speaks. So anyway, that's something that I think eventually we're going to talk about too, right, Patrick? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Slow the and, pace and, down. And it's funny you say that because I was sitting in silence in the other room all by myself the other day, and I heard one of the children say, what's wrong with dad? He's just sitting there. He's, I think they were concerned that I had a stroke or something because I just was sitting there. And, I, and actually, I was, in, I was praying, but it was hilarious because I could just hear the conversation from the other room. I think there's something wrong with dad. He's just sitting there, uh, like just com contemplating the meaning of life. I want to mention, too, Steve, for, for the listeners, we're doing a couple. I think the whole thing is going to be a huge success, I, I, at least I hope and pray. But there's a couple of really fun things, too, that we're doing as part of this. Um, and, and I want to mention two. One is we referenced the face of prayer earlier. And we're going to start teaching families how you can use your smart speaker at home to get that daily prayer. So and we'll, we'll publish the, um, uh, the instructions. But essentially, you can say to your smart speaker, Alexa, what's today's prayer? And the face of prayer would be delivered uh, on your smart speaker um, in uh, in your kitchen or bedroom, bathroom, wherever. The other one is um, something we call catechism. And we've already done kind of different versions of it. But the John Paul II uh, Fund for uh, Youth Ministry and Religious Education gave us uh, some money. And we've put together that with this Lily uh, grant to um, to fund catechism, which is a new question every single day. So when we launch it, you'll have a chance to take a quiz and you'll be able to say to your smart speaker, make me a smarter Catholic, and it will give you that quiz question every single day. And we partnered a couple of years ago with Notre Dame High School and the religion students came up with several hundred questions. And we've, so now, right now we have, we're up to about 1200 questions. So we can go for 1200 straight days um, in English and Spanish, uh, which is great. And some of the questions are level one, pretty easy. Some of the questions are level two, pretty hard. Um, but that's another great tool that you could use at home that we're going to encourage families to either do through the app or through, um, you know, just their smart speaker. You know, hey, Alexa, make me a smarter Catholic. She gives you a new question and maybe it spurs a conversation um, 
uh, there, again, there's a lot of a lot of great tools out there and a lot of great things that we can do as part of um, accompanying parents in those early years. Listen here. Listen here, Dr. Donovan. That Alexis, if you say, make me a smarter Catholic, it should say, yes, listen to, let me be frank. That's it. You put in a, a commercial every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> Would be a great idea. There's no reason we can't do that. I'm making a note right now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. So talk about the uh, Bible challenge, too. Don't you do that as well? We do. We do. So um, the Family Bible Challenge is now in about 14 other dioceses. We started it here, and um, it's it's seasonal. So it's like your favorite Netflix series. you got to wait for the next season. So the next season comes out, I think, uh, the first Sunday of Advent. Uh, I'm sorry, Lent. I'm behind. Um, first Sunday of Lent. It, February 18th, I think it is. Anyway, every Sunday a reflection is sent via email. Uh, and right now it's, uh, I don't know, about 20-some thousand people all over the country. Um, and the, just a reflection. Marianne Nag from uh, one of our parishes volunteers her time, does an amazing job coming up with the reflect reflection questions. So whether it's focusing on Genesis or focus on the infancy narratives or redemption or whatever, the reflection comes out on Sunday. And then on Thursday, there's a quiz. And again, via email, but it's also on the Family Bible Challenge website. And a lot of our school teachers and catechists use it. Uh, but again, it's another one of these really simple tools that, um, that, that is part of those catechetical moments for a family, which I think, and again, engages folks in scripture. The American Bible Society was very generous when we started, and we've given out, I guess, probably about 25,000 Bibles just in this diocese. Um, and I dare say we still have some Bibles left, which means everyone's going to call me and want a Bible, which is fine. We'll give them out. Um, but we like to give them out to parishes. So then the parishes can give them out, bless them. Um, a, a couple of weeks, Bishop, I think it's, I forget, a couple of Sundays from now is Word of God Sunday. Um, so if your parish wants to, um, to do something special, Giving Bibles to families is a great way to, I think it's Sunday. to do that. Is it this Sunday? I think it's Sunday. Uh -oh. Yes, I think so. I think it's the second Sunday in Ordinary Time, if I'm not mistaken. Are we already up to the yeah, second I Sunday in Ordinary wrong. Time? Yeah, because the baptism, yeah, would have been the first. But it was on a Monday. So, yeah, we're in the second Sunday of Ordinary Time. Well, my Christmas you know, tree is still up, too, by the way. Yeah, it is. But, uh, again, Ash Wednesday is the deadline. Okay, so good. we have time. We have, I don't have to panic yet. Oh, it's, it's the 21st. Of, it's the 21st. Oh, it's the 23rd yeah. Sunday? Thank you, Google. Okay. It's the 21st. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. I think if you were to, to, to ask me, uh, what's the hidden danger here? The hidden danger is of uh, husband and wife, mother and father could do everything right. Mm for the sake of their children and not feed themselves personally. So that is, you know, as we wrap up our conversations, one of the caveats I want people to think through, you know, in the end, their, their personal, besides their relationship as a couple with the Lord, their personal relationship with God has to be one of their prime responsibilities because you can't do all the right things and not benefit from it, which the Lord wants to love them as much as the Lord loves their children. So teaching adults how to pray in my mind, right. pray as a family, pray as a couple, pray as an individual is really important. 
because I think a lot of people struggle on how to pray. Well, to your point, Bishop, you can't give what you don't have. And if mom and dad don't have that relationship, certainly with each other and certainly with uh, our Lord, uh, it's going to be very, very difficult to pass that on to anybody else. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, I'm, you know, and, and again, uh, many of our parents have not had the opportunities to learn all of this. Right. So they're, they're, they're trying to do this with a lot of impediments that unfortunately they have right. that were given in some ways to them. But a lot of what you're doing, which I think is tremendous, is going to help them to unravel a lot of that. And I think I'm hoping and praying is that family life will not only be strengthened, but there'll be a blossoming of excitement in, in the parents. Right. And maybe a little bit of possible regret that it came at this point in their life and not when they were three and four and five and six years old, but that's okay. Against eternity, what's five years? Really? Better late to the party Against than never. And, exactly. I'm, and, and I'm, yeah. not, I'm not foolish enough to think that, an, that, a, that a simple app or AI or, a, or a one quiz a day is going to solve you know, what took generations to unravel. But if it's an invitation to something deeper, to something better, to something more, mm-hmm. let's try it. Yeah, it's it's all elements in the creation of a new culture. Right. A culture is made up of a thousand of those things. Right. Good. Excellent. Keep up the great work, Patrick. Thanks, sir. So let's take uh, our final break and we'll come back on the other side with a listener question. This is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Bishop Caggiano has been speaking with Patrick Donovan, the head of Formation Reimagined, which is doing so much stuff here. Um, but we'll be right back. Hey, this is Matt Sparazza from The Tangent. Each week on The Tangent, my co-host, Father Sam Kachuba, and I go on tangents to show how intertwined the Catholic faith and our culture really are. With guests like Scott Hahn, Dr. Greg Bataro, Kristalina Everett, and so many more, The Tangent is always entertaining and informative. Check us out on Fridays at 12.30 on 103.9 FM, 1350 AM, anytime on the Veritas app, or wherever you get your podcasts. God bless. Okay, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank. All right, Excellency, very interesting question, uh, thoughtful and imaginative, I thought, that came in for this week. Uh, It says this, Bishop, if Paul were to write a letter today to our Bridgeport Diocesan Church, what would he say to us? You know, what interesting position you've put me in now. Say, Paul (laughs) from heaven is looking right at me now and saying, so what are you going to (laughs) say? I... I would, I would say, you know, the, the letters that Paul wrote were for different purposes, meeting the needs of the communities that to, to which he was writing. In our case, I think the message would be twofold. It would be a message of encouragement and a message to persevere. I think in the end, a lot of what we've shared in what? All of these years we've been together on the podcast are showing the elements of what I believe can really bring renewal, starting yes. with what Patrick just shared with family life. Yes. Right? We have to be encouraged to do them and persevere once we start. And I think Paul would write us a second letter saying, well done, good and faithful Christians. Yeah. I I think it'd be a, a letter with lots of love, like he wrote to Timothy, not one of lots of rebuke, like he wrote to the Corinthians. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, the coach said if you write to me a personal letter, that's off limits. God knows who you would say. <laughs> I, I thought that was a good question. If you have a question for Bishop Frank, send it in on social media, or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. Bishop Frank Caggiano is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So is Veritas Catholic Network. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Foundations in Faith. A grant from the St. Therese Fund for Evangelization makes it possible for us to bring Let Me Be Frank to you. Foundations in Faith is committed to supporting and transforming pastoral ministries in the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you can learn more about their outstanding work at foundationsinfaith.org. Dr. Patrick Donovan, you are so busy and so much great stuff. I love the names, Squeaky Kneeler, Catechism, Family Bible Challenge idea. I love all that. Tell our listeners where they can go to get access to all this great stuff. So the easiest place is the website formationreimagined.org, where you can see links to everything, including this podcast, once I make sure that I make that connection. (laughs) Sorry, Bishop. But you can also subscribe. You see instructions to subscribe to the daily texts uh, that go out the face of prayer, Family Bible Challenge, uh, all sorts of great stuff. Um, so thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, to share. So Yo, cool. Patrick, really, thank you for all that you do. It's tremendous. And I'm glad you, you and I, we have all these conversations in private. So now thank God everybody has been eavesdropping in this podcast, which is to their benefit. So I'm grateful that you're here. I'm glad we, I'm glad we stayed on task. <laughs> <laughs> I, this has been fantastic because I'm going to look up stuff for me and my family to do on here too. I mean, it is, it's, there's a lot of great stuff that you we were talking about. You know, it's interesting. The most popular page on our entire site, would you believe is family movie night? We, my, my nephew, who's a millennial lives at home and uh, he comes up with a new movie for families. I gave him the first 50 or so, and he's come up with another 200. And every wow. single week, there's a new movie posted. And occasionally, someone will call and say, it doesn't actually show the movie. No, you got to do a little work yourself. <laughs> but lots of families use that as their family movie night suggestion, which is which is Great. really, really cool. Great. Excellency, before we go, would you please give us your blessing? Yeah, of course, of course. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we ask that you continue to guide and bless our work, to lift up our families in their sacred and noble mission, to be the domestic church in our midst, that our parents, our spouses, grow in love of each other and love of their children, and that children be introduced to the great mystery and adventure of Catholic faith. Bless Patrick, bless everyone involved with the Institute, and all who are in so many different ways your agents of love in the world. And we ask that you bless us all in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, my friends. Patrick, I'll see you in the office. Steve, I'll see you next week. Okay. 